here we are. You guys look great still. You look beautiful. Look at my crew. All of you guys are here. The Ville repping right now. Louisville in the house. Love it. Love it. Hey, again, we're glad you're here. I have the privilege of starting off this new series uh, called Normal, right? Um, we've probably heard this phrase a lot, man, especially in the midst of the pandemic and kind of even where we are right now about what well, we hear this over and over. When will we return to normal, right? Um, and so it's always interesting when you talk about normal, right? Normal is very subjective, very relative, right? My normal is I'm a 41-year-old male who chose to work at a church, might, might be considerably abnormal for many people, right? Uh, my normal is three kids that range in age from 12 to four. Uh, my normal is married to a wonderful wife who works part-time um, and spends a lot of her time at home with our kiddos. Um, so that normal is different than maybe your normal, right? So normal is super strange, super relative, it's all over the place. And so my first week, our, our focus is normal America, Okay? And I first have to say this, uh, it's 4th of July, I personally am beyond blessed and almost feel like, maybe you feel this way, that I won the lottery being able to be born in the United States of America. I'm blessed to be a part of this, right? With that, with that comes um, inevitably with the 4th of July and celebrating independence is the admiration, the thankfulness, the gratefulness for all the great men and women who have served our country to give us those freedoms. Uh, many in my family have served, many have served and also made the greatest sacrifice uh, for that. And so inevitably this time of year is just a great time to celebrate uh, what we have. Um, I've, it's been a great weekend for us. Just, man, we sat around pool, we played some golf, we grilled out. It's just been great. I just love this time of year and maybe you do too. And so as we talk about uh, America and normal America, what I want us to focus on today is this idea of culture versus kingdom. Okay? That with every uh, country, every empire before, everything, it comes with a cultural backdrop. What culture essentially says uh, is the most important thing. A culture comes with beliefs. I just stepped on a snap pop. That's amazing. It set me up. This could be hilarious. Oh, it's so great. Oh, sorry. I just like to have fun. This is, this is enjoyable. I love it. Um, but with every culture comes this idea, this sense of a zeitgeist of what to believe. Uh, they, they have messages for you of what they feel matters most to your life, to speak into your life. We have terms like identity today of people finding their identity, and a lot of that is around what culture says and thinks. And so for us, for me, right, uh, uh, those in Christ, we have to understand we have dual citizenship, but that our utmost priority is our citizenship to the kingdom, and that our kingdom has norms and a normative way to live that supersedes and transcends any culture throughout all of history. And what you'll find out is if you are one who clings to culture and identity through culture, that is a moving target constantly, right? That what culture speaks and preaches today might have been greatly different 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. But the culture of the kingdom is never changing. And so today, I want us to kind of go down this route as we jump into this, as Paul has a struggle and tension with his church in Rome, as Rome has a cultural backdrop as well that many of his people and his churches cannot get away from. And there's this tension between, okay, do I live for culture or do I live for kingdom? And there's a, there's a tension there that we're going to look at. But first, as we talk about normal, inevitably, many people may look at normal and figure out what's normal compared to what's abnormal, 
right? Or strange or weird. And you got to see how my mind works. I like to have fun. I like to come up here and have fun because it's like, hey, church, is, church can be fun. It's cool. It's awesome. Let's have some fun. And so we had a very animated conversation this week in the office. A lot of arms flailing, like looking like an octopus while you're arguing, right? Like all this stuff. Um, and so we were arguing and having some fun in the office around a, a video clip that was pretty popular about a week or so ago. Maybe you saw this. If not, check out how one lady's normal day turned massively abnormal. Check this out. Look like pilot Near the front, watch him try to get around his teammate and go down. Oh, he might have clipped that spectator. He went off the road. Oh. I think he went off the road. The road has got a nasty ridge on it there. Now, the question is, what's going to happen? How many people are going to get back up right, out of this? Right, that sign again, right there, left Phil. Of your picture. Oh, my... Oh, my goodness me. Oh, it was the sign that the rider in front hit. And that is the result. This is incredible. Sorry, I'm sorry. That's painful, but that's incredible. Listen, listen. This lady got up that morning, put, put her cardboard sign together. Super normal day. We were going to have a great day. Can't wait to get on TV. And we'll get to the point of this message in a minute to what that cardboard said. I can't wait to show this. It's going to be great. We're going to go down to the tour. We'll get on camera. And boom, wiped out half the field, right? Right? So this, this is, there she is. She's so happy. I feel so bad. She's so happy. She's so happy to share the message that simply says, go grandma and grandpa. That's what it says, right? You guys, you guys say, aw. I think it's incredible that she risked it all this day, right? She risked it all to say, hello, hi. Hi, like, I am blown away. Like, we had this whole argument. We were, and I like to play out the entire scenario. I'm like, guys, have you thought about this? Like, she went from normal to massively abnormal. She is now living the Jason Bourne life because here's what's going on. Her government was coming after her to, uh, to press charges. She fled the country. This chick is cutting her hair, coloring her hair, looking down where she goes so she doesn't get, you know, facial recognition. Like, completely different lifestyle now <laughs> because she wanted to say hi to grandma and grandpa, right? It blows, I am so, so blows my mind. I am so saddened, but I'm like, they're like, Eric, they didn't know. I was like, how does she not know? There's a whole group of bikers coming. She was just wanting to get at the very last minute and say, hey guys, here I am, right? Anyway, that's just how my mind works. But that's a very seemingly normal day for this lady that turned out to be massively abnormal. Her whole life is like just abnormal now. Like, right? Grandma and grandpa were probably happy, but now they're in protective services, right? <laughs> Thanks for saying hi to us, but now we're being moved from home to home. Anyway, sorry. I gotta, it's just my mind. It took me down another rabbit hole to think about, okay, uh, again, normal, abnormal. Um, Reddit, if you don't know what Reddit is, ask a young person. Reddit had this Ask Reddit uh, thread, and it asked foreign Redditors what they thought was weird about America that most Americans think are just normal. Okay? So to see, uh, and for some of these, these are a far stretch for me. I'm like, we're a pretty great country. This is all they got? No, I'm just kidding. I'm terribly. Okay. So one of them, one of them uh, was, no joke, uh, many of them were actually, there are a ton of squirrels. No joke. Not only that, uh, <laughs> they are terrifyingly bold, squirrels. And it took me back to my memories of going to the University of Louisville, and I remember being there, this was my misspent days, so many students would study out on, on the benches and read, and I would just be like, oh, what are they doing? That's cool. Um, but like the squirrels would just jump out on their laps and just be I'm like, man, these squirrels are super Super bold, all right? Uh, some other things are uh, our money is all the same color. That's weird to them, which 
you know, most other countries have different colors for different denominations. But I'm like, are you easily confused? Like, I wouldn't get out 100 to pay for something for 10 bucks. Like, I'm paying attention to the numbers on my dollar bills. Anyway, that's just me. We don't know what lemonade is. Um, many New Zealanders said lemonade generally equals Sprite or something similar in their country. So we're weird. Um, but you can still get American lemonade there. It's just usually called old-fashioned lemonade. Um, writing the date, beginning with the month, is weird. Um, and here's one, expecting free w- refills everywhere we go in America. Right? Right? That, that's not a thing overseas. In fact, France, being a bummer, um, outlawed unlimited refills in 2017. Right? That's crazy. Right? Here's a weird one. We use a lot of water in toilet bowls. Okay? I'm kind of on the other side where it's like, can we put more water in there? But apparently we use, like many users say, seriously, why so much? And I'm kind of like, really? I mean, like, it makes sense to me. But anyway, um, don't want to see your toilets. Anyway, putting giant gaps in between bathroom stalls was funny to me. Um, Here's what it said. Many people are surprised that the doors in the bathroom stalls in the U.S. are rarely flush with the side, leaving gaps people can see in that don't exist in many other countries. Um, (laughs) One person said, you could look someone in the eye through those a bit uncomfortably. (laughs) Hello, first of all, let's talk about the person maybe going in trying to peer through the gaps of the bathrooms. Maybe we should address that issue first of all. Hey, hey there, bud. How you doing? Um, taking leftover food home from a restaurant is weird. In fact, in other countries, it's considered rude. Um, if you are going into the food industry, maybe not want to do it overseas because tipping waiters and waitresses are kind of uh, weird. Um, in fact, one person said, uh, most foreigners don't understand our tipping culture. I have gotten in a few arguments with Americans when they heard, I don't tip where I'm from. It may be normal in America, but not every country has that sort of idea when it comes to tipping. Wearing swimsuits to the beach, I'll leave that to you. Um, and we talk too much. <laughs> We're loud. Uh, when I went to New York, I was flabbergasted by the amount of people just loitering in the streets or having phone conversations that everyone can hear on the train or the bus. People on the side of the U.S. don't hang out in public or let other people into their business or public transport lives. So I was like, oh. we love baseball. That's weird um, to them. Um, Here's the, these are the two, oh, these are funny. Uh, strange greetings. Uh, many, many people thought it's weird that in America we ask what it is you do. Like, right? Um, they were saying, it's just weird. Why are they so, they're prying into my personal life. I know many people for years, uh, a user said, that I don't even know what they do. It's so weird. The last one, this one cracks me up because this is very true. Um, being asked a million times, how are you? <laughs> when I was in America, that was the most unexperienced difference, unexpected difference from Belgium. No, they aren't asking how you are. They're just greeting you. The only acceptable answer is fine. <laughs> Poor guy finally thought he had an outlet to share, right? In that moment, the person's like, no, 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 no. Just fine will suffice. Just fine, right? <laughs> so we have our quirks, right? Maybe you yourself, right? You can, in any given day in Southbrook, wandering the halls, it will not be uncommon to hear Eric talking to himself most of the time, right? Like, are you talking to yourself? I'm like, yeah, why don't you? Like, I'm the only person that truly gets me. Right? I'm going to work these things out. All right? So like that's, that's a weird quirk. Maybe you have weird ones your spouse may think you have or your friends. Right? We all are weird and strange. It's a beautiful thing. And that's a beautiful thing. And so I want to take that phrase of weird and strange, which is a, a, a synonym for abnormal, and which can, many people see as a bad connotation, but spin it to the good today. All right? I grew up in Louisville, and in Louisville, uh, the independent coalition of businesses came up with this slogan when we were young um, that said, keep Louisville weird. 
Right? Totally ripped that off from the Austin, Texas, had that same saying. Um, but what they did was, I, I love music, I still love music. And so every Tuesday, uh, this was in the old days where you went to go get albums and stuff like that, right? That they would drop on Tuesdays and we would go to this independent record store called Ear Ecstasy. And we'd go down there all the time, listen to music in the hipster district and get bumper stickers, keep Louisville weird, they were everywhere. Um, and so what I want us to do today is think about this, all right? I want us to think about how can we keep the kingdom of God weird, strange? Because what that's saying is it stands out in a unique way. So what we're going to talk about is culture has these normative patterns and rhythms to life. And the kingdom of God has its norms and rhythms and habits. And in fact, if you hold to the kingdom norms, in fact, most of the time, culture may think you're strange. Why would you do that? Why, why, do you, why would you follow a man who, who was crucified and three days later rose from the dead? Why would you give your life to that? Why would you follow after his ethics and moral? It's strange. And on the other side, I would say if you're living your life by the mandates and the dictates of our culture, the kingdom's going to be, that side's going to look strange. And so I want us to think for a little bit. I didn't throw this on a slide. I was just writing these down in my office in the past couple of weeks. I want you to think about the culture that we live in, the backdrop of our lives. Uh, what you think our culture is messaging us on a constant basis, whether you think the beliefs of it, uh, the tenets of our culture, that it's constantly been thrown our way to say, this is what your life should be all about. Right? And again, that has shifted over time. It has shifted from the time I was young to now. And, and think about these things. I wrote some down, and I think, um, the, obviously these aren't exhaustive, but these are the things that jump out to me, that I believe that here in the Western world, our culture is about self-discovery, which inevitably leads to self-fulfillment to fulfill the self, to find your truth and live it out. And again, you'll see how this is different from the kingdom because the kingdom is about Christ's fulfillment in my life. Our culture is all about hyper-individualism. It's about moral relativism, about what you think is right. All right, that's good. You even hear that. Hey, live your truth, find your thing. Uh, just don't infringe on other people. We live in a time of sexual revolution, but also within that is sexual identity, that we are defined by our sexuality. At the same time, we are defined by our politics. We find our identity in the left or right. Uh, materialism, affluence, power, status, image management. Um, here's one that, that popped up to me as I see more and more, right? The voices of culture are a, are a variety of different things. Uh, that could be media, right? Music, movies, the arts, it could be social media. These, I wholeheartedly believe, are the voices, for the most part, of culture. Wherever culture's going, you can see these things throwing that message out. And one of the things that I, I, it pains me to see this, I hate this, but it seems like some of the things that are becoming of a priority is this sense of division. That our culture is about here. If, if it's about self-discovery and self-fulfillment, find what your truth is. Find it. Cling to it, and then find your people that agree with you. Surround yourself with that tribe. You now have an echo chamber together. And here's the thing. If there's people that don't agree with your truth and your self-discovery, they are your enemies. They are less than, dehumanized. And you see this play out all the time. The social media is a, a depressing place when you see these factions and these tribes wage war at one another. Because I wholeheartedly believe our culture loves that. Outrage sells. And so part of that is this greed, this vengeance, get back at each other. Like this is, this, is, this is our backdrop, and there's so much more that could be there. 
And so uh, you've heard me talk about this, that as a Christ, as, as someone who has said, I want to give my life to Christ, this man who lived and died and rose for me and tells me to live like me, is what he says. For me, right, that we have, as a part of that, a, a flesh and human, humanness we walk with, and I have a soul and a spirit that I walk with. These two do not get along great. And so culture is like this mag- magnetized effect with my humanness that, that these things like to go together. Culture with, with its temptations and its messages, it's easy for my humanness to be like, yeah, I want to go that way. And then my spirit, it, it, the goal is to, to line up with the kingdom and what Christ says and what the kingdom mandates are. And so these are at war constantly. And so for us today, what I want to say is, hey, what, 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 you know, we are dual citizens for those in Christ. My chief and first utmost priority is my citizenship to the kingdom of heaven. That transcends everything. It doesn't matter outside of that. To live for the kingdom, to live for Christ is number one. And then I want to be a good citizen within my framework, and that is America. And so this isn't anything new. In fact, if you were to open scripture and you walk through the Old Testament and New Testament, God's people are constantly exiles, this is a theme over and over which speaks to today. We are always in exile, meaning from the beginning with God's people in Babylon where they were taken captive or Assyria where they're taken captive or in Egypt where they're there. And then in the New Testament where they have the Greco-Roman backdrop as exiles there, that's the thing that plays out even to today. It might not look as hostile, but we are exiles. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven living as foreigners. And so we have to understand the messages of both and which one are we going to chase after. You'll see this on the screens, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 11. He speaks into this reality. He says this, but you are not like that. He's talking about, he's talking to his people, those in the church. He's saying, you are not like that, meaning those who have given themselves over to the culture, they are no longer a part of this kingdom. They have left. It says, you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Holy there, I think everyone sees that term of holy, and they think, oh, that's super righteous. Holy means set apart, meaning you are unique. You are different. You are not the same. He continues on. Once you had no identity as a people, I love this because identity is the backdrop to everything going on in our culture today. Find your identity, find your identity. Peter's saying, you had no identity, people. Now you are God's people. Find your identity in Christ and God. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. And here it is. You see how this dualism plays out. Dear friends, I warned you as a temporary residence and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. There it is. There's that dualism, soul, flesh, humanness, spirit. They're at war with each other. When you go the way of culture and you want that to be your thing, it's gonna be ripping your very soul apart. And so he's warning them then. And this plays out as well in one of my favorite books of the Bible, the book of Romans. You want a book to check out and read? Read Romans. I love that book. And the same thing is going on there. Paul is having an issue. As you know, most New Testament letters are written to issues in the church. Context is key when you're reading the verses in those books because there's an issue that is going on they're speaking directly to. And in Romans, you have this interesting thing playing out. When Claudius was emperor of Rome... 
There were riots and and, and issues coming throughout his city between the Jewish Christians and, and those who are not. And so what he chose to do was expel the Jewish Christians from Rome. Those born are of the, uh, of the Jer- Jerusalem descent. So if you're from Jerusalem, that's your, your history. You are to go home. And so that was between 49 and 54 AD. Listen to this, and you'll see this, the, the scenario that's playing out. During that six-year interval meant that Christianity began to grow in Rome with increasing number of Gentile converts. Gentile is anyone non-Jewish. Without the leadership or patronage of Jewish Christian leaders. As a result, when Claudius's edict was rescinded after his death, the Jewish Christians were allowed to return home. By that time, the church looked much different from when they left. As a result, there were some significant issues Paul had to deal with in his churches. He was writing to his churches in Rome during a time of ethnic flux, when the ethnic makeup of the churches were shifting toward a Gentile majority, bringing with it cultural and theological points of contention. Issues could have been manifold and included in-house debates over the law, the Torah, uh, or even leadership tensions caused by the expulsion and return of these Jewish Christians to Rome. Divisions fostered by ethnic prejudices. Paul shows genuine concern that the Roman churches may splinter along these ethnic and theological lines as a result. So in light of that, Paul wants to work for the unity of the Roman churches by binding them together around the gospel and his vision of the church as a multi-ethnic people of God. So you can see what it's saying is there's tension with the culture around them. Anything is gonna play out like that. You have Gentile converts, Gentile, you got uh, the Greco-Roman world and everything that it's been about, this huge empire, and with it, uh, its ways of living, pulling on them. And Paul wants to speak into this, and we're gonna pick this up on the screens as he lists out kind of this vice list. And as you read this list, I want you to think of currently today. Because I think what's the bummer is that many people read scripture, they think of maybe the the Greco-Roman world and they think it's so antiquated, but it is not. This vice list looks not much different than today. We just have easier ways to live out of our vices. We have technology today that they didn't have, making it easier for us, man, just to live out of this. So listen to this list he's talking about here. He says this, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile. So he's again, just like Peter, talking about those who were once aware of the kingdom, but the culture's pull was so much that they left now. Just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind. So they they do what ought not be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. Kids in here? <laughs> Braid, you cut. I'm gonna highlight that one real quick. Just kidding, just kidding. They have, <laughs> they have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, They not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those practices. And so he's listing this out. He's saying, essentially, this is what the culture is about. This is what it looks like. And he goes through these chapters, and he talks about a variety of different things. And then he comes to Romans 12, where he wants to flip things on its head. Right? Many times you've heard this about Jesus' ministry, that it was what? Countercultural that he flipped culture on its head and said, you heard it this way, it's not like this. See, that doesn't change today. Jesus is still countercultural. What he is about and what we should be about is still countercultural. 
And so Paul talks about this in Romans 12 too, about changing our thinking, right? Some people even can have this, have this down and memorize. It says this in 12 too, do not conform to the pattern of this world, he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Again, don't think like the culture. Think of heavenly things. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He's imploring his people in Rome and even today for us to use cultural discernment. I tell students all the time, if you can do this from a young age, it will save so much heartache later. If you can identify the messages of culture, you can see them being disseminated to you through various media, commercials, or everything, and you can point out and say, man, 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 wait, that's a message of our culture. Okay, how does that compare to what the kingdom says, to Jesus' truths about us. Okay, no, this is not, throw that out, right? It's called cultural criticism. Listen to this this definition of cultural discernment. I love this. This is the ability to compare beliefs, values, customs, and creations of the world we live in, which is America, to those of the world we belong to, the kingdom of heaven. And once we've made that comparison to anchor our lives, including our use of technology, to the theological, moral, and ethical norms of God's kingdom. It's a killer quote. It was in a book. Again, exile is not over. As Christian citizens, kingdom citizens, we are always in foreign lands. It was in a book called Faith for Exiles. It was written, I think, last year or a couple years ago. That in this book, it was, it was fascinating. Barna, who, who is a big study group that does all these studies, Dave Kinnaman is the head of Barna, and he wrote this book called Faith for Exiles, and he calls what we're in today a digital Babylon. How do you, and what he says, how do you speak faith uh, and the ways of the kingdom into this digital Babylon? And that's where that quote came from, where he talks, and I, I wholeheartedly believe one of the greatest things we can learn today is becoming cultural critics and discerning the culture we live in. And as Paul talks about transforming your mind, he then moves to what can seem like an overwhelming list for believers. And he says, hey, you know, he goes in one part, this is what culture looks like. No, transform your thinking. Here is what the kingdom should look like. He's saying, here's what my churches in Rome should practice and live by. Now listen to this list, you'll see it. It's 12, nine through 21. These are normative practices of the kingdom. He is saying. Some titles will say this is love in action. And follow with me, track with me. And what I would ask you to do is what I have done for myself. As any time I prepare, any time I prepare for messages, they are the spiritual two by fours to my head as well. Like, wham, Eric, did you think of this one? Nope, I blew it, right? Like for me, it's just as convicting as anyone sitting out here. It's just as edifying as anyone sitting out here. Eric has not arrived. He's not coming to you from, oh yes, I'm on this side of things because I don't know if I'll get on that side of things. I hope to one day, but I'm always a work in progress. Scripture talks about it. It's the sanctifying work of Jesus. And you'll see this, nine through 21. Follow with me on the screen and say, hey, what what are the things that, man, this, this speaks to me. I need to grow in this. Paul says, here's what my church is. Here's what the kingdom of God should be. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another by yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. 
Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take, reve- do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. A lot of this is quoting Jesus. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It might seem overwhelming when I think, oh, it's very legalistic. It's a checklist. If I don't live up to this, I'm not living up to the the kingdom mandates and I'm not going to heaven. No, that's not what it's about. That's not what it's about. In fact, those in Christ would say, it's not about that. It's about every day trying to wrap my mind each day around this reality. And many times I blow it, but that's not going to keep me from trying every day. What he's saying is this is what it looks like compared to culture. In fact, Origen had this great quote. Um, He says this, the communities of God to which Christ has become teacher and guide are in comparison with the communities and culture among who they live as strangers should be like heavenly lights in the world. We are. That's the goal. And unfortunately, the capital C Church worldwide, I feel like, is blowing it. And guys, me included. That we don't look much different than the culture we are in. I would ask yourself, we we talk about a new normal. What is your normal? What are your routines? What are your habits? Because the only way to grow in this, to be culturally discerning, to grow in this, is to practice the five S's we talk about, what Jesus lived out. The scripture being one, a creature of scripture, every day, being our minds filled of the message and the promises of Christ is the only way you're gonna counterbalance the cultural messages. Being one who is wrapped in solitude, meaning you take time away, you remove yourself from the noise and allow us, and you get a time of prayer to communicate with God, to sit in his revelations and his, his, his wisdom. Support, healthy support groups, people around you who are like-minded when it comes to the kingdom. Service, getting outside yourself. We're gonna see somebody who, lived outside, who lives outside of herself and still does to this day in an unbelievable way. And significant events. This is the only way we're going to be able to do it. Because every day we are inundated with millions of messages every week. And if we don't intercept those with the messages of the kingdom, man, we're going to succumb. In fact, Origen says, a person who does not hate the vices cannot love and preserve the virtues. I'm going to put this on the screens. And I'm just a dork who likes lists. Maybe it's helpful for those who like lists. Yeah, there's a lot here. So if you got, man, and it was so flipping adorable last service. I had a 12-year-old girl, Morgan. She came up to me. She goes, I missed some of that list. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? I was like, you, you write this out? I'm like, that's amazing. And so I was going with her and listing it out. And you'll see this on the screens. Dallas Willard in his book, The Renovation of the Heart, talks about, again, those in Christ, it's about the renovation of the heart, reforming the heart. And that that spills out not only in your personal life, your private life, but into your social life. And here they are. He's just rewording what we just went through. Letting love be completely real. Abhorring what is evil. Clinging to what is good. Being devoted to one another in in family-like love. In fact, Tertullian said, see how they love one another is what outsiders should be saying when they observe an authentic Christian family or church. Keep going. Outdoing one another and giving honor. This was so unique to the Greco-Roman world. Listen to this. Uh, um, Philosophers associated virtue with apathy. (laughs) 
a deliberate lack of involvement with the care of others. You've arrived in their culture uh, with wisdom and, and, and philosophy, right? When you do not care about what others are, are doing. You just don't care. It's not so in the church. Serving the Lord with ardent spirit and all diligence, rejoicing in hope, being patient in troubles, being devoted constantly to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, pursuing, even running after hospitality, blessing persecutors and not cursing them, being joyful with those who are rejoicing and being sorrowful with those who are in sorrow, living in harmony with each other, not being haughty but fitting right in with, lowly, with the lowly in human terms, not seeing yourself as wise in a sense of prideful arrogance, never repaying evil for evil, having due regard for what everyone takes to be right, being again at peace with everyone so far as it depends on you. Never take revenge, but leaving that to whoever God may decide. Providing for needy enemies, not being overwhelmed by evil, but overcoming evil with good. My gosh, if you just said, Eric, I, I need to, I'm going I, to focus in on three or four. Are you kidding? How that will transform your social dynamic at home, at work? Good gosh, I wish. I just wish, I just wish this played out a lot more. I wish I had played that out a lot more. And so when we talk about being strange and abnormal, living the kingdom way, you're gonna look abnormal to the culture around you. And so what I would say is, let's keep the kingdom weird. Be strange, stand out, not in a way to bring um, acknowledgement to you, but because you love so boldly, you serve so, uh, uh, like just unequivocally, and that it brings attention to Christ. I think of so many people that are strange for the kingdom. Heck, Morgan, a 12-year-old, coming up to me, asking for the notes of her message, that's, man, that's strange. In a great way. Remember, this is good connotation. That's kingdom. I think of my friend Wilson, who's 64, who serves in SPK every week. That's strange. A 64, why, why would you want to do that every week and serve with little kids? It's incredible. The kingdom oozes out of him. And I want to introduce you to a friend of mine named Claire Brown. Uh, maybe you got to get introduced to her last week, Levi. I pointed her out in the crowd. Claire uh, lives unbelievably, unequivocally, strange, abnormal for the kingdom. And what you're going to see in this video is you're going to meet her. And what's amazing about it, she grew up in Centerville, grew up here at Southbrook, but all she said was this, God, please use me. And look at the incredible ways God is using her in South Africa. Watch this video, please. Growing up for me, normal would have been born and raised in Centerville. Went through Centerville Public Schools, Centerville High School. Uh, started attending Southbrook when I was about one years old. Um, went through Epic, went through student ministries, and just fell in love with the Lord um, here at Southbrook. Really, my foundation is here. And so normal was just anytime the church doors were open, I was here. I was trying to do any trip, any weekend service that I could attend, I was, I was doing. In sixth grade, we went to No Sweat through CIY, and it just grabbed a hold of me of, hey, this looks kind of different, but I like it. And it's not about me for once, it's about the Lord. And from that, went on 18 different mission trips before I graduated college, 10 out of the country, and I was just hooked on an abnormal life. Life has taken me to Imanzana, South Africa, quite a few hours away. <laughs> Everything I known, everything I grew up with, the, the, the normalcy of having consistent water, consistent electricity, abnormal became my new normal, um, but it's still very abnormal. I end up doing ministry in a local garbage dump. That is how Lydia's mission got started. 
I go right into the dump. It got started by actually some monkeys, which again is also another very abnormal thing for people in this, this community. Obviously Centerville doesn't have a huge amount of monkey population. Um, but the monkeys started scattering my trash where I lived. I frustratedly loaded my car with my smelly trash and I drove to the local garbage dump. And it was in there that the Lord broke my heart. The ladies started beginning fighting over the trash and I said I didn't know if it was for my moldy food or what they were doing, but I became so overwhelmed because they were like running at me and tearing my trash apart. So I went back the next day and began asking them, what are you doing? Why are you fighting over my trash? Um, and so they told me they do it for the recyclable materials. They get paid based on the weight of the recyclables that they collect. So I asked them if I could start meeting with them on, on a weekly basis, beginning to share Christ with them. And they were so open. We started meeting every single week. One of the first things I did was tell them about Jesus. And they began weeping. And I was like, what is going on here? They said, we've never heard about Jesus. And they began to accepting Christ one after another after another. And they said they felt so much shame in this community because of working in the garbage dump, always being surrounded by trash. I said, we are gonna do baptisms, but we're gonna do them right here in the garbage dump. We're gonna reclaim this space for Christ and what God is doing here because you are daughters of the King. So I took three hours to transport enough water in a blow up kitty swimming pool um, to be able to baptize them. And this was six years ago now. My organization is called Lydia's Mission. It's a 70 acre farm. We have 40,000 square feet of garden space. God led us to use these gardens as a way to continue to feed and make an impact in our community. We do a lot to meet the physical as a way and as a door and opportunity to meet the spiritual in our community. So through that, we've been able to feed at eight different hope centers, feeding sites, 1,600 kids a day. The Lord has led me with and given me the knowledge and the skills to have 1,500 chickens that we use to get eggs to help feed the children at our feeding sites. God led us to start a sewing project with stuffed animal toys that was another way to generate income to be able to support everything that the Lord is doing. I've been able to hire the staff for this ministry center out of the garbage dump. So they've gone from one extreme of their life to being employed full time, being fed breakfast and lunch, provided transport to, to work, have a proper salary that they can care for their children with. So they have a new normal. God is moving in powerful ways. And what was so abnormal when I first started seems so normal now of just following Christ, stepping out in faith and just saying, God, use me. That's strange, that's weird. Culture say, what are you uprooting yourself from everything you've ever known to go somewhere by yourself? The thing about Claire that is so amazing and unique is that she's not a part of an organization. Like Lydia's mission is something she started. She went over, boom, by herself. And she'll tell you it was not perfect. Her upbringing was not perfect. She struggled like any other adolescent kid working out the cultural mandates with the kingdom. And what she's doing today, she'll tell you, she had no skill set. I love when she talks about this, that I didn't know how to sew. I don't know how to raise chicken. I don't know, like, I just, I don't know what to do. And that I just had to do it. And that's a beautiful thing when you say, listen, God, here I am, use me. He will. I love the quote. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And that's what he did. And he's doing incredible things with her. She'll tell you about her story of going to Ethiopia at first, and it was miserable. 
She was deathly sick a couple of times, had to be care flighted. And it was like, God, I don't need to be here. And so we're going to move. And now just, oh, I don't want to keep sharing it. It's just really cool. She's absolutely inspiring to me. And she's back to the States just to rest. She's not even here to, to try to find her support or raise money. She's here because it's been a rough year for COVID over there. And she's like, I just need to recharge. And she's back with her family and friends for now. And then she's going back. And I said, Claire, here's the deal. I know your story. I love your story. I want to share it. Um, I'm with you. On, like, I'm an online pastor at times. And she's tuning in every weekend from Africa. I'm like, if I can do anything, I just want to connect people to your mission. And so that's what I want to do. Out in the atrium, you can meet Claire and what they're doing. While she's here on vacation with her family, here are the incredible things God is doing. Because she's a young lady who said, God, here I am, use me. And that's what it's about. I don't, like, Eric lives among culture. I, I don't care as the prevailing winds of things change. I just want to say, hey, out here I am, use me, God. And so go out there. It's incredible. The first service, I cannot believe she was swamped. I literally think all her stuffed animals are now gone. I don't even know. There is a, they are, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. So here's the thing. Go out there, talk to her, hear her story, say, I'm praying for you, if that's what it is. Fist bumper, give her a high five, say this, you know, whatever that is for you. And this week as we set off and we leave and we go have some fun, 4th of July, and we get back to our lives and we start to put together what normal looks like, ask yourself, is my daily habits, my daily routines, is it consistent more with what culture wants me to do? Or am I uh, exhibiting rhythms and habits of the kingdom? Thank you, Southbrook. Have a great rest of your weekend. And Americana, here we, here we come, all right? Much love. Thank you all.